Welcome to Mighty Way Books Presents Kids and Kindness, Encouraging Stories for Children Ages 8 to 13. I'm your host, Mabel Elizabeth Singletary, and each week I will be sharing children's books centering on kindness, friendship, teamwork, respect, courage, and compassion. We are living in a time where it seems we have gotten away from the importance of loving thy neighbor, i.e. showing kindness and compassion to others. The others I speak of can be people who may not look like you or me or share our views. However, learning to see value in every human being is a lesson from which we all can benefit. I hope you will join me each week to listen and enjoy our stories. And don't forget to visit MightyWayBooks.com where you will find encouraging and inspiring books for children ages 8 to 13. In our last episode, Jeremiah wanted to ask Mr. Kennedy to let him run with the team, but he didn't think it was the right thing to do. Mr. Kennedy and the boys were shocked to find out that Mike wouldn't be able to run on Saturday due to a skateboarding accident. So George and PJ suggested that Jeremiah run in Mike's place. Jeremiah was surprised and happy when Ronnie, who had not been very nice, asked him to run with the team. Jeremiah said yes, while George wanted to be called something other than the blue team. Jeremiah suggested they be called the Also Rans, and everyone agreed that would be their new name. Chapter 14. They Also Ran The week that followed seemed like the fastest week ever of Jeremiah's young life. Every day after school, he practiced with the team and thought of nothing but running in the big race on Saturday. When he wasn't thinking about running, he was running. In the days leading up to the race, he only wanted to talk about what he imagined as his takeoff, when the referee signaled the start of the race by firing his pistol. Jeremiah had surely lost count of the number of times he'd already run that race in his mind. Each time he did, he thought of something to do that might make him a faster and a better runner. Even after practice, he did his leg lifts, knee bends, and trotted around the backyard maybe five or six times hoping his extra effort would make a difference in the outcome. With the race only days away, he found himself eating, sleeping, and drinking nothing but the big race. And he was determined nothing was going to stand in the way of his making his best possible run on Saturday. Even when PJ tried to get him to play catch, he chose to run around the yard instead. Surprisingly, PJ didn't question Jeremiah's choice. Instead, he put down his ball and glove and decided to run with him. They had missed only one day's practice, and that was on Wednesday, the day it rained all day long. And Jeremiah would have probably gone out to run on that day, too, if Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy hadn't said it wasn't a good idea. He had become like the stallion in the story. He knew the importance of being persistent, and he wanted to try and do his best. Knowing if he did his part and finished the race, there was nothing he could be but a winner. By the end of the week, Jeremiah felt he was prepared for Saturday. So much so that he and PJ were up early and ready to get going even before Mrs. Kennedy had a chance to call them. 
All the way down the stairs, they were giving each other high fives as though this was their own special way of boosting their confidence. Think we're going to win? PJ asked. It only took Jeremiah a second to answer PJ's question. I know we're going to win. PJ stopped when he got to the bottom of the step and turned around. How do you know? Jeremiah smiled confidently because I do. Satisfied with Jeremiah's answer, PJ smiled too. It was just what he needed to hear. If Jeremiah could believe the also-rans were going to win the race, then so could he. When they entered the kitchen, they saw Mrs. Kennedy had made a very special breakfast, pancakes. Take a seat, boys, she said. She brought a steaming hot platter of pancakes and set them in the center of the table. She took a smaller plate and counted three pancakes and placed them there. Jeremiah, here's a nice big stack to start you off. Thank you, Mrs. Kennedy, but I can't. Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy were surprised. After all, pancakes were Jeremiah's favorite meal. Are you all right, she asked, stopping to feel his forehead. He doesn't have a fever, she said, looking at Mr. Kennedy. I can't have any either, PJ said with conviction. Now I know something's wrong, said Mr. Kennedy. If these boys are giving up the chance to have pancakes, something isn't right. Jeremiah and PJ stood up, each nudging the other to speak. After enough coaxing, Jeremiah spoke first. We don't want to get too full before we run. Yeah, PJ supported. The pancakes will weigh us down, and we want to win. Well said, Mrs. Kennedy. You don't have to eat pancakes, but you're at least going to have some cereal. The boys looked over at Mr. Kennedy, who nodded in agreement. Okay, they said, sitting themselves back down in their seats. They were actually glad that they were told they had to eat something. Neither of them had looked forward to the notion of running on empty stomachs. Mrs. Kennedy passed them the box, and they filled their bowls so they could begin eating right away. Slow down, she said. You've got plenty of time. I'm not eating fast because of the race, Jeremiah told her. I'm eating fast because I'm hungry. Well, slow down anyway, warned Mr. Kennedy. We don't want you getting sick before the race either. Looking over at PJ, he gave the same warning. That goes for you too, PJ. Take your time. Right away, he deliberately decreased the speed of his spoon as it moved toward his mouth. I will. Even though they followed Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy's advice to slow down, they still finished their breakfast in record time. No one had to remind either of them to clear their places. As soon as the last spoonful of cereal was eaten, they jumped up with their empty bowls, went over to the sink, and washed them. We're ready, Dad, PJ said, speaking for himself and Jeremiah. Got everything you need? PJ checked Jeremiah and Jeremiah checked PJ. They made sure they were wearing their track shoes, shorts, and shirts. Yes, Mr. Kennedy, Jeremiah said eagerly, we're ready. When Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy found themselves pleased with the condition of the kitchen, they and the boys got into the car and headed for the track. All the way, Jeremiah kept looking down at his brand new track shoes. They were white leather with thin blue stripes along each side. If ever there was a pair of shoes that had winter written all over them, it had to be the ones Jeremiah was wearing on his feet. Look, PJ yelled, pointing across the field as their car pulled into the track parking lot. Everybody's here already, just like they said. Even Mike's here early, and he's not even running. He may not be running today, but he's still an important part of the team, Mr. Kennedy noted. 
Do your best, you two, Mrs. Kennedy told the boys as they exited the car. I'll be cheering and watching every lap. Jeremiah turned around and walked up to Mrs. Kennedy and gave her a hug. We will. I'm going to run like I never did before. You'll see. PJ came back to where his mom stood and gave her a hug, too. We're going to win today, Mom. I can feel it. Even if you don't, she was quickly to say, be glad you were in the race. That was an interesting thing to hear, Jeremiah thought. It reminded him of the times he'd heard his grandmother telling him to slow down when he was rushing about all over the house. A race is never won just because someone is fast, she'd say. But the real winning crown in life goes to the one who lasts all the way to the end. Jeremiah knew what his prize would be that day, and PJ was right. They were going to win if they could just run the entire race. The also-rans needed to do something they'd never done before. They needed to finish. As pretty as all the ribbons adorning the judges' table looked, Jeremiah just wanted the whole team for once to cross the finish line. Mr. Kennedy looked at his watch and realized they needed to get themselves over to the lineup with the rest of the team. Come on, guys, let's get over to the starting area. The relay will be starting soon. When they got there, George and Ronnie were stretching, while Mike, crutches and all, stood over them keeping count. Come on, George, you can do it. Just five more bends and you're done. I don't know who's toughest, George moaned. Mr. Kennedy or you? I vote for Mike, Ronnie laughed. Keep going, Ronnie, Mike commanded. You ain't finished either. Okay, Ronnie conceded. Seven, eight, nine, and ten. There, I'm done. Ten. I'm done too, George said. Mr. Kennedy spoke in his most encouraging voice. You guys are looking great, like real winners, every one of you, and we'll win today. Think so, Mr. Kennedy? Mike asked. Every member of the team waited silently for Mr. Kennedy's answer. And as he searched their faces, which were covered with nothing but hope, he gave the only answer he could. Sure will. Hearing those words from Mr. Kennedy made them want to try even harder to win than they'd planned. The announcer called for the five teams scheduled to compete in the baton relay. Loud and clear, he called. The also-rans in lane number three. Just as they had practiced, Ronnie would start them off because next to Mike, he was the fastest. The next runner would be PJ, who because of his limp sometimes had a tendency to slow down halfway around the track. George would run third, and everyone knew his position was critical. George was the one on the team who had never finished a full lap around the track. The final runner was going to be Jeremiah, and he knew that once he felt the baton in his hand, holding on to it and maintaining the best pace he could might make all the difference in the world. They lined up like each of the teams on either side of them, positioned themselves behind the first runner at the starting line, and waited for the sound of the starting pistol. Hearing the announcer's voice give the count, signaled the team that the race was about to begin. On your mark, get set, bang! With the sound of the starting pistol, Ronnie took off like a rocket and ran with all his might. He started off with a good lead and made sure he held on tightly to the baton, but began to get nervous when he glanced to his right and saw the runner in that lane slightly moving ahead of him. He remembered what Mr. Kennedy had told the team about running their own race and no one else's. For a moment, he wished he could close his eyes so he couldn't see the other runners. 
but was relieved when he realized he was almost completely around the track and found it was time to pass the baton on to PJ. The closer Ronnie got, the more he concentrated on making sure he would get the baton to the next runner. Ronnie kept up his speed, and just when it looked as if he was going to whiz right past PJ, everyone watched as the baton smoothly made its way into his hand. PJ immediately started his leg of the run and never looked back. Before he knew it, he had made it all the way around the track. The runner in the fourth lane had taken the lead, but PJ could hear his teammates cheering him on. Go, PJ! You can do it! Keep going! George got himself in position for what was about to be the third pass of the baton. He was ready to receive it as soon as PJ came by and placed it into his hand. George ran with it as fast as he could, but soon his lack of speed wasn't enough to keep up with any of the other four runners. In spite of all the effort Ronnie and PJ had put into this race, the also-rans watched themselves go from an honorable second place to an okay third and finally back to their usual last position in a matter of minutes. As George struggled to make his way around the track, he could feel the enthusiasm of only moments ago leaving him. Come on, George, you can do it. It was Mike encouraging him to keep going. All right, George, Ronnie screamed, don't stop. George could feel his legs ordering themselves to buckle beneath him while his brain commanded they keep moving. As though feeling an internal argument taking place between his brain and his legs, he was determined to cast the deciding vote in favor of his brain. Suddenly, he pushed himself harder and could feel the momentum he needed to make it all the way to where Jeremiah was standing. The sight of Jeremiah's hand sticking out was all the incentive George needed. When he was sure he was close enough, he quickly and successfully passed on the baton. Jeremiah gripped it securely in his hand and ran faster than he could ever remember running before in his life. He could clearly see up ahead that one of the other runners had crossed the finish line. And it wasn't long after that he could see someone from another team crossing to capture second place. Like a soft breeze gently carrying an inspiring message, Jeremiah could hear the words of his grandma once again. The real winning crown belongs to the one who makes it all the way to the end. Jeremiah put all of his concentration into making it to the finish line. He could see himself gaining little by little on the boy in lane number five and felt a surge of energy come over him that caused his feet to move faster. His teammates were calling out loudly for him to keep going. With the finish line now clearly in his sight, crossing it was now nothing more than a formality. Just as he could feel his right foot touching down, the runner in the second lane crossed it only seconds before him. He could still hear his teammates and Mr. Kennedy yelling, Way to go, Jeremiah. That was great. Right away, he positioned himself at the end of the line with his team and put the baton in the hand of Ronnie, who had been first. They listened as the announcer called out the names of the other teams who had come in first, second, and third. Their team's name was not called, but for this race and on this day, they had finished. You boys were great, Mr. Kennedy told his team. Yes, you were, a voice said. Everyone looked around and were surprised to see that it was Mr. Radcliffe, George's dad. He shook hands with Mr. Kennedy and said to the team, good run, guys, good run. He then walked over to George, put his arms around him, and gave him a warm hug. I'm proud of you, he told him. George looked his father in the eye and smiled. I finished the race. I know you did, and that's what's important, son. 
George stepped back just a little, but we didn't win. Maybe you weren't first across the finish line, but the also-rans definitely won something pretty important out there today. And you know what I think? George shook his head no while the others on the team quietly listened. Keep running with the kind of determination I saw, and soon, real soon, I bet you guys are going to come away with a ribbon. You're already in first place in my book. The boys on the team jumped up and down, hugged their coach, Mr. Kennedy, and hugged one another as though they had won a gold medal in the Olympics. And though Mike's voice was almost drowned out from the cheers coming from Mrs. Kennedy and all the people in the bleachers, his was still the loudest. Jeremiah blended into the celebration knowing his grandma's words were true. He could feel her strong words covering him lovingly all over. God rewards those who trust him and finish the race. And even though he knew the also-rans would not receive a ribbon that afternoon, his heart was glad because they had finished the race set before them. And all who witnessed it realized that on this day, the also-rans had been in the race too. This concludes the reading of Run, Jeremiah, Run. I hope you enjoyed today's reading from Mighty Way Books Presents Kids and Kindness. Please join us next week when I will continue sharing stories from the collection of encouraging and inspiring books for kids ages 8 to 13, which can be found at MightyWayBooks.com. Until we meet again, I wish you a great week and ask you to do something nice for someone and to show kindness to everyone.